Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. It's Friday when we host journalists to discuss the news of the week and to provide some insights into those news stories. Democrat Josh Shapiro was sworn in as Pennsylvania's 48th governor on Tuesday. Now, the governor Shapiro will actually be governing. What has he said will be his priorities and what can Pennsylvanians expect? Joining us on The Spark today are Angela Columbus of Spotlight PA and WITS Brett Shoulders. Welcome to both of you. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Angela, let me start with you. You've covered uh, some inaugurations over the years. What stuck out to you about the Shapiro inauguration and what he had to say? Well, a couple of things. I mean, his speech was primarily focused on uh, the message of unity and that the voters who voted for him and allowed him to win by a huge margin uh, really rejected extremism and embraced this idea of unity and bipartisanship in Harrisburg, which has been um, not necessarily the case for the last eight years. Uh, Outgoing uh, Democratic Governor Tom Wolf, uh, he was... he was when he originally came in, he was sort of billed as being one of the nation's most liberal governors. He was dealing with large Republican majorities. And um, a lot of his tenure was marked by clashes. Uh, and a lot of them were partisan clashes. And this is the type of thing that Josh Shapiro now is saying that he really wants to put behind him. He wants this to be a new era where things actually get done in Harrisburg. And there are policies that are coming out at a regular clip without all of the drama surrounding um, the, the the governing and the policymaking. There are many candidates running for office today, not all, but many, who talk, talk about bipartisanship and unity and working mm-hmm. together and reaching across the aisle. Is Josh Shapiro any different? Is there something about him that uh, maybe he can do that? Well, I think he has a very unique background. He has been in public office in one form or another for uh, two plus decades. He served as a legislator himself uh, back in the 2000s, and he was in the House of Representatives then and really uh, experienced up close and personal how business is done, understands the dynamic of the legislature and how it feels it should have a really strong voice in policymaking in Harrisburg. So I think that is a very unique um, thing to bring to the table. He's also been, um, he's worked with, uh, in law enforcement, he was the attorney general before he became governor. So he has relationships with groups that sometimes traditionally may not align ideologically with Democratic governors. So I think all of these things are very unique in his experience bucket that um, sets him apart from others. It doesn't mean it's going to be a smooth road. There, are, there's already a lot of um, drama playing out in the legislature. Uh, one chamber is really uh, paralyzed and not able to function at this point in time. But it's still his first few days in office, and there is time for him to try and, you know, smooth uh, 
those rough edges. I'm wondering, does the governor get involved in that paralyzed house that you're talking about? Uh, there's this debate going on, this controversy mm -hmm. about uh, whether Republicans or Democrats are in the majority right. at this point. Does the governor get involved in that? Well, he said that he's uh, pretty much staying out of it. Uh, I I question that a little bit. He is, uh, by virtue of being the top uh, Democrat in, in the state, he is the titular head of the party. And in that respect, you know, any type of party dispute, and this involves party disputes, is going to uh, obviously affect him and impact him. So... There hasn't been anything up front and, and public about his involvement, but I can't imagine that he won't be uh, trying to help behind the scenes smooth that out. So, Brett Schultz, you covered uh, the inauguration for WITF and the public radio stations across the state. So what were, what were what stuck out to you? you know, as your observations. Yeah, you know, I think that there's a really interesting um, thing where on one hand, um, Governor Shapiro is um, signaling a lot of interest in bipartisanship and working across the aisle and in, in working across the different branches of state government, but also, um, you know, kind of, sig kind of touting certain progressive policy points and also pointing to some of what he did whenever he was attorney general. Um, you know, Another phrase that stuck out, and I, and I agree with everything Angela said about, about his inaugural speech, um, another phrase that stuck out to me was this idea of what he called real freedom. Um, which uh, he went on to define as sort of like the freedom to um, grow up um, free from gun violence in your community and, and in a safe community where there's ample public safety and to go to a school uh, where you get a good education and to, you know, live in a place where there's clean air and clean drinking water and to, you know, have a chance to get a good job and have a good career. And he kind of like bills that as sort of like, you know, this is this is a real freedom that people people can actually do something with. And, you know, I, I, I sit there and listen to it, and I think it's very interesting, but I also think, well, that also sounds a lot like policy positions that may or may not go over well, you know, with uh, a lot of a lot of members of, of the the, uh, the Republican Party. So um, I, I'm really curious to see how that tension resolves itself or plays out, uh, you know, as, as we kind of see, you know, we move through the legislative session and start to see um, see what happens here. Well, you, you said that... Uh it, some of those things may not play well with his Republican colleagues in the legislature, uh, but what you just described could be uh, the inauguration speech for every candidate, uh, every gubernatorial candidate in America, maybe not uh, Republican. I mean, a few things changing here and there, but you know they have high expectations. They they uh, are are kind of broad in their description. So you said that uh, some progressive policies. What kind of progressive policies? Well, I, I you know I, I don't want to I don't want to over overshoot my uh, you know what I actually know because I, he he you know he hasn't necessarily implemented some of those policies uh, yet. But I think you know whenever whenever you start talking about things like you know water and and uh, the environment, I mean our, already we're wading into the topic of uh, things like, you know, natural gas drilling and, uh, you know, emphasizing certain types of energy sources over others and, uh, you know, the, the whole 
fracking debate and everything like that. And this is just me sort of, you know, extrapolating from literally just things that were said during a speech. But I mean, I would I would look at that. You know, the word the word public safety was mentioned. It's an interesting word to use instead of police. But um, that's also been another area I feel like where you know Shapiro, former attorney general, two term attorney general, is someone whose relationship with the law enforcement community is more complex than simply um, what you'd expect from sort of cartoon cutout caricature of a of a really you know progressive uh, uh, governor. And so I don't know you know I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but uh, it does seem that um, there's there's an effort to to please a lot of different and somewhat disparate groups uh, and 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 while still holding together a progressive and essentially a progressive policy core to that. But uh, Angela, two things want to bring up about uh, Governor Shapiro, and, I've been, and I have to say that I'm still having trouble saying Governor Shapiro. <laughs> it's like writing the wrong date on your check, you know? But anyway, uh, with Governor Shapiro is during the campaign, he wasn't necessarily on board with Pennsylvania joining Reggie, the regional gas greenhouse gas initiative. So that, to me, says right away that, okay, maybe he's progressive, but uh, that would seem like something that a progressive governor right away would say, yeah, we're going to do. Other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this isn't necessarily, well, maybe it is political to a, way, to a degree, is one of his first actions was signing uh, an executive order right. that uh, so many jobs in Pennsylvania state government wouldn't require a college degree. And one of the things, if I read between the lines on that, that I look at is that saying that, okay, you know, a college degree is a great thing, but at the same time, there is a high percentage of people in this state that don't have one, and now we're opening it up to those who may have not taken the traditional academic route. That's a long question to ask about a progressive governor. Yeah, and I think that that uh, executive order was framed um, very much so in the context of opening up uh, the pool of applicants, making it more diverse, um, and that these policies in the past have um, disadvantaged, uh, you know, black and brown communities who haven't been able to break into these jobs in state government. Um, and that's how it was framed. So there, I think trying to put Josh Shapiro, Governor Shapiro, uh, in a box is 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 a mistake. I don't think that he, on every issue, leans one way or another. I think he generally tries to move towards the middle. That's his m more comfortable place, um, and. That, in turn, has, at the very least, some of the Republican leaders in the legislature that we spoke to, uh, to them, that bodes well. I think that there is um, a, a bit of a fatigue with the constant, you know, clashing and fighting. Uh, and, you know, e even um, just the message of bipartisanship seems to make people feel like things can get done. The reality of it, and we can talk about that more, is is, is far more complicated. Now, I have to tell a little story out of school here that it's not a big thing. It's not going to get you in trouble, <laughs> Brett, or anything. It's your last day anyway. So, <laughs> Anyway, um, this morning when you walked up to me and we were discussing in the hallway about uh, what we're going to be talking about in the air, the first sure. thing you brought up was the inaugural ball. 
<laughs> so it wasn't necessarily the message that Governor Shapiro had, but it was the inaugural ball. And it wasn't just that you had a good time at the ball, <laughs> but there were things you noticed. What did you notice? Well, let me say, first of all, Scott, that as a ethical journalist, I didn't touch any of this oh, stuff that I saw there. So let's no, be clear. No beer? Nothing? <laughs> Not far, far from it. Far oh, from it. Okay. But uh, it's it, one, one must observe when there... That you know, there was a real effort made, you could see, to sort of represent all different corners of Pennsylvania. So you just had like a lot of things that are either Pennsylvanian or that like Pennsylvania likes to claim, like you know, like pierogies, cheesesteaks from Philly, Primanti Brothers sandwiches, gobs, and like like Amish like types of things. And so they had just you know, a very clear effort was going on in both the food and also the entertainment and the music that was there to sort of say, much to what Angela said earlier about the the speeches message of bringing Pennsylvania together it was sort of like okay we're 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 trying to bring together all the different you know parts and elements of this state right here in this in this cavernous gigantic music venue that's usually reserved for like rock stars that like the public doesn't right. even really go to in Lidditz yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was yeah. in Lidditz where uh, you know performers mostly rock performers uh, pop performers yeah. Taylor Swift Josh Shapiro, Tara Swift, you know, it's hard to tell the difference. But anyway, <laughs> uh, where Rock Lidditz, where that's usually what it's held for, but so is an unusual location outside of Harrisburg. I would, I would say it is an unusual location, and it's one that um, I don't think that that uh, they've hosted public events there for not many, if any. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, you know, I think there were just shy of three thousand people there. That was the number I got from Shapiro's team, and uh, you know, it was they were they were there from a number of different for a number of different um, of ways because not only were there people there who were invited who were part of the, sort of the the democratic like community and the inside sort of. Political political insiders, but also some people who um, they were like special guests that day. So they may have had a story to tell or there were also a few other options for people to to be able to, to come there. So it was it was a, a crowd from all over the state. The music, Angela, that uh, Brett mentioned, uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, ask for a critique of Smokey Robinson or uh, Mount Joy. But what it does say is that Josh Shapiro was 49 years old youngest governor that Pennsylvania has had in in some time. Will that make a difference? It's hard to know. I mean, I think that his musical choices were very much a continuation of I'm going to bring in a little bit of everything. Um, I'm going to bring in a little bit of, you know, Smokey Robinson, and I'm going to bring in a little bit of Wiz Khalifa, uh, which, you know, appeals to a different generation. Uh, so and um, I've read in a Penn Live story that he is a big, big fan of rap, which I guess is really incongruous with my understanding of him. But, uh, uh, you know, this is what he told them. So all of that to say that I, I think it just was a continuation of the theme of of, of diversity in his administration. Um, and uh and also the the choice of the venue, usually a lot of these things are held at the farm show, and right. this was a very far cry from that. And I think that, too, also tried to send the message that he was going to be different from his predecessors. Yeah, I doubt there's ever been a cow in Rock Lidditz. It's probably <laughs> a, good, uh, a good guess. So uh, overall, you know, there are honeymoon periods for new governors. How long will the honeymoon last for Josh Shapiro? I mean, I, I can't ask you to make a prediction, but 
it's been less than a week. When do the big things start coming? Start coming. Uh, I think immediately. I think starting next week, um, he's going to have to deal with a paralyzed House. He's going to have to deal with um, a Senate that has now adjourned until the end of February, uh, having passed a uh, controversial package of constitutional amendments. Uh, I think that he's uh, going he, today. He's apparently also announcing a a, a big ethics package uh, for his administration that will include things like a gift ban but potentially and most likely a little bit scaled back from that of former Governor Wolf. So he might take a a little bit of a hit on that. Um, So I think the honeymoon period is over. I read in one of your stories about uh, Governor Wolf not accepting uh, a bottle of water, and that was actually here, and it was every time the governor was on the program, he would give us a dollar. Actually, I think we've saved those dollars. They are pinned up somewhere. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> when I switch gears here for a moment, another story that is making, uh, uh, getting a lot of attention, not just in Harrisburg, although it happened in Harrisburg, is happening in Harrisburg, but it's something a lot of people are interested in. And Brett, that's the uh, Mulberry Street Bridge. There were a lot of homeless, dozens of homeless people that uh, were living in a tent city under the Mulberry Street Bridge in Harrisburg. The city made a decision that uh, they said it was unsanitary. They wanted to clean it up. Uh, You know, the first reaction from many people is you're chasing these homeless people out. They have nowhere to go. City said it was unsafe. So what's the status right now? Sure, sure. So the Mulberry Street Bridge is a bridge in Harrisburg off of Cameron Street that people who live in the area would know pretty well. And, um, you know, I, I've been reporting on health and, and issues, like including homelessness in, in this area for over five years. And it's always been a presence in Harrisburg. And it's always been, uh, you know, sort of implicitly uh, sanctioned by a lot of the authorities in the city, including uh, police would uh, regularly park nearby or do drive-bys to check on people, make sure things are safe. Um, organizations would regularly stop by to give out food and clothes, essentials. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, UPMC would stop by to, to give out vaccines and provide other resources. So it's very much an established place in Harrisburg. Um, I think part of why it's gotten that level of attention and interest is because around the state, you know, people are seeing that homelessness is significantly uh, up. There are a, are a lot more people who are struggling to find a place to live. And the number I was quoted at was like about 70 people were living there, mm-hmm. uh, which is is a massive increase from any time that I had ever been there, uh, you know, in 2020 or, or 2019 or 2021. And uh, so that, that significant increase is also, unfortunately, part of what the city saw as a as a problem of you know it was getting unsanitary they were talking about like rodents being everywhere yeah, and rats, um, yeah. so they need to clean it out so so basically uh, you know the the thing is that city from time to time comes in and, and moves people out but then the question naturally is where are they going to go and it does seem that now um, the city is uh, well the city now says that they have come up with a temporary solution which is that they are going to relocate people who really need a place to stay and who really have nowhere else to go to um, actually an area, another area in Harrisburg and surrounding uh, towns, which is the capital area Greenbelt. So they're basically... Outside? 
Uh, I don't think they'd be moving. I, I, I can't speculate on the exact okay. location right. of it because they wouldn't give it to me. But it's it's in that green belt. Um, so meanwhile, they're basically closing the area off for cleaning and to uh, sort of you know give give a reset there. Now, interestingly enough, this the state actually owns that property. So. PennDOT is the actual authority that would be able to like sort of say, okay, nobody can come here. And the city's been pretty explicit about this, that they, while they can tell people, well, you need to stay away in the short term for your own safety because we're cleaning this out, they don't really have the authority to just fence it off. Uh, and, and actually, the city pointed to um, a previous bridge in Harrisburg that is fenced off and that only people who had lived there a longer time or had a longer memory would remember the State Street Bridge also used to be a place where a lot of people lived and eventually PennDOT did come in and fence it off. So, you know, it's it's uncertain exactly what the what the long-term solution will be here for people, but um, it's definitely uh, a sign, another sign that, that ho- the increase in homelessness over the past year has been really significant and it's affecting communities in a lot of different ways. Well, I, I was just a few months ago was in Los Angeles oh, and her, where they... 47,000 homeless mm. and it's estimated that that was uh, you know on the on the conservative side there's many more yeah but i think here in central pennsylvania there are a lot of people who think oh well it's not that big of a problem it is it's a problem mm-hmm. everywhere we are almost out of time and as i just mentioned a few minutes ago today is brett shoulders last day here at witf he's living on leaving on good terms as far as i know you are living on good terms, aren't I you? I hope so. Okay. So well, we want to thank you for all your work, especially on the on the health beat over uh, the last uh, five years or so. But yeah. uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pr- pleasure. It's very bittersweet because I love WITF. I am going to be uh, working as an investigative reporter at LNP, so I'm not going to be too far away. So hopefully we'll uh, have plenty of time opportunities to uh, talk in the future. Yeah, you've already told me you want to be on uh, the Spark in the future. So uh, <laughs> I, I have an open invitation, especially when it uh, comes to investigations. But uh, Brett Shoulders, thank you very much for being with us today. And Angela Columbus, as always, uh, and always have an invitation, open thank invitation you. to you as well. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Thanks Scott. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.